Thank you for joining us for another episode of Baker Hosts Ad Nauseam, a podcast series focusing on new and trending advertising issues with an emphasis on the FTC and NAD. I'm Leah Brief, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. We are once again joined by Amy Mudge and Daniel Kaufman, two partners from Baker House Stetler's advertising, marketing, and digital media team. Together, they have decades of advertising experience and approach advertising issues from multiple perspectives. On today's episode of Ad Nauseam, Amy and Daniel cover the issue of made in the USA claims, a hot topic in the regulatory space. They will also discuss a recent FTC case against ATV parts maker, Cycra, and an NAD decision involving a company that marketed emergency food supply kits. With that, welcome to Ad Nauseam, and let's turn it over to Amy and Daniel. Well, thank you very much. Daniel Kaufman here with my wonderful colleague, Amy Mudge. Unfortunately, Amy, it's just the two of us this week. We do not have Randy Shaheen to keep us in line. We don't need him, pal. <laughs> no, 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 no. When Randy's not here, I feel like we got to do a lot more editing to sort of what comes out of our mouths. All right, what are we talking about today, friend? So we're talking about the summer. Uh, we just hit Memorial Day. Did you have a good barbecue, Amy? What's your favorite barbecue food? Let me know. Oh, I had a great one. Both of my kids are home from college. We're kicking it off. I fed a bunch of people. My favorite, bar- well, it has to be food because, you know, nothing goes down better than a cold Bud Light. If I had to pick a food, uh, I love all the barbecued foods, but I would say deviled eggs made with Hellman's, not Miracle Whip. How wow. about you? No, I'm thinking about stuff on the, the grill. Give me a hamburger, cheeseburger, and I'm a very happy camper. Oh, you're a grill guy. Do you like yes. to eat it or you flip it? Oh, no, I eat it just. I cannot grill. I don't know. I, I kind of got to learn that skill one of these days to sort of master the grill, but I don't really have one in my condo here in D.C. Okay, you're that guy that comes over, complains that the burger's either underdone or overdone, but just sits and eats. Okay, I got you. I got you. A mental note, do not invite Daniel to my next party. <laughs> and, but if you have a lot of leftover food, I'm glad to participate. Okay, my next question, though, when it comes to summer, is there a, a classic summer song that strikes you as one of your favorites? Sounds of Summer? Duh. Vacation all I ever wanted. I'll stop singing now. How about yeah, you? You probably would have to pay a licensing fee <laughs> at some point. Uh, you know, Beyonce, Crazy in Love. You know, I hear those first few notes and I just think summer. Uh, I forgot, was that maybe the summer of 2003 or something like that? I can't remember well, when. Well, Beyonce's it... coming this summer, so I think that's, yeah. I hope that's on your plans. Uh, it is not yet on my plans, but if anyone here has an extra ticket, please, <laughs> please, my email address is available. But no, she's going to put an amazing performance. I would love to see her, and I just may have to get a last-minute ticket to see her and pay a lot of money to get it. All right. Well, law stuff. Memorial Day definitely makes us think about... Being American citizens, we're feeling patriotic. So what is more patriotic than to talk about Made in USA? And this has been a very active topic at the FTC since they converted their guidance to a rule. And it's also actually a topic that we haven't seen a case out of NAD in a while, but now we have one. Yeah, look, and to be clear, there was a lot of FTC activity in this space before there was a rule. But what really happened with the rule, you you get a rule, you can then get civil penalties. Previously, it was much harder for the FTC to come up with monetary theories in made in the USA cases. Can I just have a moment to say that I think that Julia Enser is a great American citizen. And I actually think that the program the FTC had in place to carefully monitor made in USA claims in the marketplace 
but to reach out informally before a CID to tell companies their concerns and to handle them informally, but with a closing letter, I just think was good government. And I wish the way they would do everything else or at least one other thing besides Made in USA. No, she is she is incredible at what she does. She is she's fair and she's tough. And to me, that's that's what you want in a regulator. Well, maybe not, you don't want the tough always, but fair is very important. <laughs> so we do have a new FTC case to talk about in the Made in the USA space. Are you interested, Amy? Oh, God. oh, oh! Tell me more, Mr. Kaufman. Okay, so the company is the name is I think it's Cycra, and actually, from pronouncing it wrong, they probably won't mind. But it is a motorcycle, ATV, parts and products company, something that neither you or I are at all familiar with, Amy. But it is the latest FTC case. They made a number of unqualified made in the USA claims, banner ads in social media, and on labels. The complaint from the FTC goes through a number of different areas where products and components were not made in the USA. For a few years, they imported at least 30 shipments of parts or accessories from Asia and Europe. They sometimes imported finished products that were already packaged for sale with MUSA labels. Okay, that's an easy one. That's an easy one, yes. And uh, the packaging also was noted by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And actually, the FTC sends a basically a thank you to the border for assisting in this matter to some degree. But look, it, it is a fairly traditional made-in-the-USA case. I don't think there's much in the way of nuance, though the, the thing that to me that is interesting is the FTC challenges it under the FTC Act and under the MUSA rule. They don't really tell you which is FTC Act, which is MUSA rule. And why that's relevant is there really is some ambiguity and uncertainty as to the extent of the MUSA rule. It addresses labeling in terms of what is labeling. It's a pretty broad statement. And we know there were commissioner divides when the, the rule was promulgated as to sort of the coverage. But there is clearly labeling involved in this case. And a few other things that I think are pretty interesting in this case, they, they went after the company as well as the chief operating officer who is alleged to be liable under the FTC Act. And the thing I love there's a penalty amount that I think is particularly interesting. The, the civil penalty here, $872,577, a very precise number. How many uh, cents, Daniel? Did they well, <laughs> this gets even better. It is then suspended subject to the payment of $221,385.66. Now, you usually don't see things rounded to the nearest penny, but I just thought that was sort of a, a little odd thing in this case. You want to know how they got there and we're never going to know, are we? We are never going to know. And um, maybe it's the amount of money that's sitting in a bank account somewhere, but we can just speculate. But look, there are some good lessons in this case that look, FTC is not the only cop on the beat here. There is other law enforcement that is also looking at stuff that comes in our borders. And if they see something coming in from another country that has a MUSA label on it, that's going to be a pretty big red flag. You know, so from my perspective, it's a pretty straightforward made in the USA case, but they're also naming individuals. That's very consistent with what we know the FTC wants to do. And they're seeking money. It was a lot harder to justify money in MUSA cases before the rule. And now it is it is much easier, of course. So, Daniel, I forgot that the MUSA, I never used that before, but now I will. MUSA or made in USA rule is limited to labeling. You were at the FTC at the time. Is 
there a reason for that that you know that you can share? Well, it is the statute. So Congress, a number of years ago, gave the FTC rulemaking authority specifically on labeling of made in the USA. So there's a breadth, of course, to how the FTC is defining labeling here. In addition to labeling, the rule expressly covers mail order catalog and mail order promotional material, which was found by some of the commissioners to be encompassed within the sort of labeling definition. And there's definitely significant dispute at the FTC as to whether it's appropriate to to have that broader definition. This is very interesting. So let's say there was no made in USA on a label. I'm not exactly sure what an ATV label is, but again, we'll just hypothetically. Parts. These are parts and products. Parts and products. So if they only talked about being made in USA on, let's say, their Facebook page, that would not be a rule violation. The FTC would have to proceed under Section 5? Correct. That is my understanding that that would not be covered by the rule, and it would just be a Section 5 case, and then the FTC would have some challenges in terms of getting a monetary theory. I don't want to bait them. I don't want to bait them and have them try that case. But actually, I think that's a really interesting takeaway or lesson for our listeners, not that you should play fast and loose with Made in USA claims. However, probably the labeling stuff should get a lot heavier focus and maybe a little bit of more leeway on social or web ads. And the other big distinguishing feature of the rule that you got to keep in mind, it is unqualified made in the USA claims. So it is statements that a product was made, manufactured, built, produced in the USA. But again, if you're making qualified statements that are sort of more subtle than that, that are, you know, made by products produced in the USA or something like that, those would probably not be covered by the rule as well. So if it's a qualified claim, it's not going to come into the rule. That is an awesome segue. And you know, I love a natural segue, my friend. Or an unnatural segue. Come on. (laughs) Because I'm going to talk about an NAD case that involved some unqualified and some qualified claims that sort of had me scratching my head a little bit. But what I do love is a theme. And I think these things are related. You did ATV parts. I'm doing doomsday preppers. I feel like they're connected somehow. I think there's a Mad Max kind of road warrior connection going on here. Totally it. That's totally it. Yes. Wait, can we just, which was your favorite Mad Max? Uh, The remake. The remake with Charlize Theron. We are going to get so much flack for this, but I totally agree with you on that. Amazing movie. Amazing. I think Mel Gibson might have been canceled anyway, so I'm just not. But yes, she was. She is long canceled, to be clear. (laughs) She was all that and a bag of chips and, and always will be. Okay. So anyway, doomsday preppers. I love the fact that the suppliers of doomsday preppers actually found their way to NAD. You would think that these folks would generally toil in obscurity. I'm kind of guessing maybe they had a competitive surge with The Last of Us finishing up. I don't know. But anyway, four patriots challenged my patriot supply. So this was a challenge case, not a monitoring case. So four patriots versus my patriot supply. And the focus was over... (laughs) I guess food, which you could buy emergency kits for food, which you bought in a three month, six month or one year supply. (laughs) All right. This is a lot of food for a lot of badness that might potentially happen. 
there were a lot of claims that My Patriot Supply was making over these emergency meal kits. You could write a book on this. And I'll talk about this all summer, maybe. We got claims about fresh. We got health claims. We got sale claims. We got product reviews. And the thing I love in the decision, you know, the, the company walks away from like a page full of claims, and yet there's still enough other claims that are challenged here. Fascinating decision. That happens a fair amount. And it's not uncommon that sometimes on claims that advertisers don't care as much about, and it's just too much trouble than it's worth to defend to kind of pivot and switch. But you're right. It's a hefty decision full of lots of NAD's thoughts about a lot of things. But we're going to focus on uh, Made in USA. And this was the first Made in USA case that NAD's had in a good long while. And this was similar to your ATV case. There was unqualified Made in USA. There was All-American. There were flags. There were eagles. There were some grown and packed in the USA claims, which I think are probably qualified claims. And then there were homegrown, homegrown in the USA claims. At the start, one of those claims that they modified was they said, you know what, we're not going to make any more unqualified Made in USA claims. We are going to voluntarily modify for any product where a large amount of ingredients came from foreign countries. We will modify those claims to made in USA of domestic and foreign ingredients. All right. But they only said that they were going to do this for products that were comprised of largely foreign ingredients. The NAD said this was good, but you didn't go far enough. The NAD said that this is a modification that should be used anytime a product includes foreign ingredients. Why? Because the NAD enforces the Made in USA standard, which is final processing, but all or virtually all domestic components and manufacturing. So anytime there's anything more than de minimis foreign content, that should be included in a qualified claim. Right. Well, certainly, look, at a national level, look, there's always ambiguity to the standard, but the standard itself has been pretty clear. You know, how you interpret it, there are sort of nuances and challenges based upon the products and and the imports, but that standard's been with us for quite a while now. Right, right. If there are these cases where there's significant manufacture, there's the product line in the U.S., where a lot of the inputs came from overseas. But if you have a big factory in the U.S., a lot of companies, I think for a good long time and not with any intent to defraud anyone, they thought, I'm making this in America. The cars coming off the line in America, I made in America. And of course, the FTC standard is significantly higher than that, including a parts requirement. So what do you say if you've got manufacturing here, but a lot of your parts come from elsewhere? assembled in the USA is the claim that the FTC suggests. Now, the FTC has told us that they think a made in USA of foreign and domestic components consumers here in the same way as an assembled claim. So that really seems to be the claim that people are are making a fair amount. But the FTC has told us that if you're going to say made with domestic and foreign components, you really got to have a lot of domestic, you can't have a fairy dusting of domestic components. And I think that was the point here that NAD was trying to articulate to my Patriot supply was to say, look, if you're making your gear supply of emergency meal kits here, but there's foreign ingredients in there, you've got to call that out. You want to say it's made in America, even if there's a, a fairly modest number of domestic ingredients, that has to be called out. And, you know, I thought about 
given the name of both the advertiser and the challenger includes the word patriot, <laughs> presumably their target audience actually really cares about these origin claims. You know, the FTC will always say, oh, these are super important to consumers. I don't know if they always are, but patriots, probably yes. Yeah, look, there was the FTC case involving hockey pucks a few years ago. I wasn't aware that that was a big issue or a big thing in terms of hockey pucks and whether they were made in the USA. But the thing I was intrigued by, you know, when you look at different constituencies who focus on issues, you know, made in the USA brings together a lot of diverse constituencies that feel very strongly about both the ability of U.S. companies to make made in the USA claims, as well as sort of thoughts of, you know, America and country Mm -hmm. and belief in apple pie. I was going to start singing again. I was going to start singing, but I will not. I will not sing America the Beautiful. Thank you. So as far as a tip to take away with, I really do think that made in USA of domestic and foreign or sometimes domestic and international ingredients or components is one that we are seeing more and more of. But I do think it's important for advertisers to make that claim only when the domestic ingredients are significant. And by significant, I'll put a number on it. I think probably 50% or more. And if it's less than 50%, that there really should be further qualification, either including those percentages or maybe simply saying assembled in the USA with a majority foreign components. This claim is becoming so ubiquitous. I think we're going to have more activity here at the FTC and at the NAD. And I'd encourage companies who are using this claim to remember it still has a substantiation requirement. And of course, you know, got to remember Congress is still there and there's legislation that's making its way through Congress on country of origin issues more broadly. So it it is always a hot topic in Congress as well as with the regulators. So just something to always watch out for that laws here can change and evolve. I will end you on this. I also love another claim this case looked at, which was home cooked. Okay, (laughs) these these are. (laughs) Meals, emergency meal kits that will last for a year were home cooked. The advertiser said, I got to give him an attaboy and girl for this. You got to boil water to rehydrate these meals. So in fact, they will be home cooked. Now, if we were in a zombie apocalypse situation, maybe that is indeed what would qualify as home cooked. But NAD said here, come on, it's mass merchandise. And when people hear a homegrown claim, They think it's manufactured, at least by cooks and not in a plant. So your last tip for the day, don't say homegrown if all you have to do is boil water. Ramen, I tell my kids this, is not in fact homemade food. (laughs) Well, I guess I need to spend a few days doing some disaster prepping at home. I got to go learn how to ride an ATV. And maybe then we can cosplay Mad Max. But of course, we, as we both agreed on for maybe the first time ever, the Charlize Theron version. I got to watch it again. It's such a good movie. All right. Well, happy Memorial Day to my dear friend and dear patriot, Daniel. Thank you so much for chatting with me about Musa or Made in USA ad nauseum. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Amy and Daniel. If you have any questions for Amy or Daniel, their contact information is in the show notes. For more information on the latest developments in ad law, visit our Attorneys Law blog at www.attorneyslawblog.com and check out all Ad Nauseam podcasts by subscribing to Baker Hosts wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. 
Comments heard on Baker Host are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Host are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.